Welcome to On The Bounce, where we discuss resilience and its practical application in our lives. Together, we'll discover the tools needed to empower ourselves, develop positive thoughts, and accomplish our goals to become the best versions of ourselves. Hello, On The Bounce listeners. I am so excited to introduce to you to a very inspirational, just motivated, committed committed uh, speaker who's going to be here uh, with me today. Her name is Mary Beth. And one of the things that was really drawn to me about Mary Beth was her desire to crack the code in areas that we really struggle with. We definitely, um, for some of us, have a hard time overcoming uh, some internal battles. And Mary Beth has a way and has been working as far as connecting with individuals and helping them work through those personal challenges so they can become and they can become who they're supposed to be at the end of their journey. So I'm so excited to have you today, Mary, and to be part of this journey and just being able to have this conversation. Thank you. Yes, I'm really, really excited to be able to do this. And it's just, you know, a part of why I began all of this is to be able to reach as many people as I possibly can who struggle with who they are, things that they've been through. And, um, allowing them to get to the point to be able to see and really know and love their true soul identity. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in this conversation, I know that we'll talk more about it um, and definitely um, what you do, but I'm going to give you this plat the platform now to introduce yourself and what you do. Sure. Uh, so I am a licensed professional counselor in Mississippi, and I have a, a group mental health practice. Uh, so I'm a therapist. And I work with um, children, adults, couples, families. Um, and I also um, have a blog called Not Good Enough Stuff, um, helping people heal and learn about their own not good enough stuff that every single person in the entire world has. That is so true. And, you know, it's true. It's I mean, it's something that I think we all realize. But when you read it, so when I when I looked at your uh, your website and just um, your the uh, your blog, it is so in your face because it's something that we cannot hide. And it doesn't matter to how how, quote, quote, successful you are everyone struggles with some type of insecurity or something where they feel that they're just not good enough. And I love the fact that not only were you able to address this, but to be honest about it. So it makes us want to really just dive deep into our, you know, what our struggles are. And sometimes we tend to dance around it. But when you address it in this format, there's no hiding from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know myself personally spent years hiding it. And that's yeah. what I was taught culturally, um, just society, family, all of that. And when I realized that that doesn't work for me. Yes. And it's so blatant to me when I see that in other people, that that's a struggle that so many people have. Yeah. And often that stuff is subconscious, but it's mm -hmm. driving so many difficulties in their lives. 
Absolutely. I absolutely agree. So before we jump into there, I'm going to start off with my question. What does resilience mean to you? To me, it means to be able to return to who you are, regardless of what you encounter throughout your life. To be able to come back to, I guess, people could call it center, the mm. center of you, but to return back to who you are and your true identity, not using the labels of what you've been through as your identity. I love that. Return back to who you are. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes in our journey, we are either, we, we tend to get mentally lost or we tend to disconnect with that, with our true selves. And in that process, it creates so many unnecessary journeys that you find yourself going down. And so when you talk about that return back to who you are, it is, I mean, you, not only do you picture it, but it, it's, it's such a clarity that you can connect to because, for some of us, that's probably the hardest journey that we will make in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I know it was for me. Mm -hmm. And often I don't think people realize that they either don't know who they truly are or acknowledge or are conscious of how far they have gone from mm. that true identity. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And there's so many factors that go into that, right? We're mm -hmm. talking about environmental factors, mental factors, psychological, all, I mean, all kinds mm -hmm. of things that play into uh, your decisions and um, how you how you view yourself, right? And a lot of it sometimes, it the more insecure you are about who you are, then the bigger it becomes. Mm -hmm. And it starts to it starts to take over how you operate. It starts to become that new that new you, which mm -hmm. is not really, but it's that persona that's being creative. And um, and and I think it's so important that we we continue to have these conversations because the further we get disconnected, the harder that journey is to come back. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I absolutely agree. So let's talk about resilience. Is it different for you in your personal life than your professional life? And how do you find that balance? Um, I used to separate the two, mm. but I think that was a big part of my own healing um, is seeing that I can be who I am in my personal and professional life. But for me, being able to move through the things I've been through in my life personally and throughout my career um, allowed me to be where I wanted both in my personal life and in my professional life. Mm. Um because, you know, I've been through a lot of things like many people mm -hmm. that could have caused me to go a completely different path um, 
again, in both my personal and my professional life. Um, and it's just one of those things that when I began really doing this kind of inner work on myself 10, 12 years ago or so, um, I got to a point where I knew where I was going, mm. no matter how far away it was or how crazy it seemed to anybody or even myself, that nothing was going to stop me because mm. I was on my path and I knew who I was. I love that. So I want to go back to as a licensed counselor, mm -hmm. right? How has that journey evolved for you as in your profession? And how has it impacted your ability to be a counselor? Yeah. So one of the things, let, let me go back. Okay. Tell a little bit about how I became mm. a counselor because uh, this is a second, you could even classify as a third career for me. Okay. Um, yeah. Because, uh, I used to do advertising and sales. Then I was in pharmaceutical sales. Um, and, uh, I had, um, a, a terrible wreck and I can go into that later, but it forced me to be able to go to therapy for myself. Mm. Um, because I wasn't able to work for a few years, but my mind was okay. And I saw what doing that deep work did for me, that it allowed me to see my next path was to become a counselor, to be mm -hmm. able to help people who have been through all kinds of different things, um, to again, return to who they are. Um, and prove to themselves that they have the ability to have that resilience. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that's one of the things when I start with any of my clients that I see is when I tell them what I see about who they are, they don't agree. They don't see it. And it always makes me sad for them, but also makes me see pieces of myself mm. when I was at that place. And, you know, if you asked a lot of my clients, they would be able to tell you, that at the beginning, I told them, I see what an amazing soul you are. And I see how much you have to offer the world. And I'm going to hold that for you until you're able to see it. Mm. And I think just knowing that there's somebody in this world that sees something that they're not able to see that is good and pure and beautiful can just help them even a tiny bit to take a step to consider believing that they could get there to believing that for themselves. Mm. I love that. I love even just, I'm going to hold this for you, mm. right? Because it's not, it, and it's, it's that trust that you're developing with that person. Like, okay, I understand, you know, right now you don't see it, mm -hmm. but once you have that aha moment and it starts to click, you're going to take this from me, you know, and you're going to appreciate it and have a different perspective at that point. But it's just so it's so powerful, that message that you're giving. And just as you mentioned, having someone, even if it's that even if it's you seeing the greater good in that person, it's sometimes that hope that we need, especially when we're talking about 
this, these uncertain times that we're all struggling through and trying to determine what our new normal looks like and being faced with challenges and the things that some people will have never experienced before. And I, and I love that you're able to see the beauty in chaos and see the beauty in people and their personalities and having them get be hopeful for the future. Because I think one of my struggles that I know that I've in speaking to people is that we're so quick to want to know and see results now, mm -hmm. but sometimes the beauty is in the journey. Yes. I tell people all the time, you know, say that somebody's, you know, 40 years old and I'll tell them it took you 40 years to get where you are. Absolutely. It's not take you 40 years to get where you want to go, but it's also not going to take you 40 days or four months mm -hmm. um, because it is a journey. And that's one of the things that I have to remind clients so often is when they just want to get here and they want to feel so much better and all that, they tend to forget the amount of work they're doing and noticing that on a daily basis. Yes. So, yeah. And mm -hmm. every day has some type of impact on you. So it's, it, it is, it's undoing and doing all at the same time. There's so many efforts and powers that are happening all at the same time and forces to be that you have to appreciate that. It's not, it's not going to be an overnight success. It's not going to be an overnight win. And, um, you know, even just with um, and with my relationship with my daughter, who's 19, you know, it's, it's sometimes a struggle because we have social media that shows these instant gratification of everything, everything you can you can become this today, you can do this today, but completely omits the the process on mm -hmm. how to get there so it's almost like that concept is lost sometimes mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know along with that instant gratification connected to social media and all of that you know i often have people wanting these exact steps mm -hmm. people therapy is not an abc one two three yes and if it were there would be no point in going to see a therapist because you could just go to ABC one, two, three, do it and be done. Yeah. And if it worked that way, or I had figured out the secret formula for that, then my sessions would cost thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> I agree. I, I absolutely agree. You know, and it's, and it's important that people recognize that because everybody, and you know, for, for someone to not realize that everybody has to be received their own individual care. It mm -hmm. is not a one, it one fits all, especially when we're talking about our own internal struggles, because I assure you my struggles and your struggles are two different struggles. Mm -hmm. And if you come and treat me the way that you treat everyone else, then you're not providing me with what I need. Yeah. 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 We're all so different in, in one thing you know, well, a lot of clients want me to tell them what to do. Mm. And that's never my job. Yes. As a therapist. My job is to help them heal and guide them to their own healing. Because I tell them, I can't tell you what to do. I can't make a decision for you. Because you will always know yourself better than any therapist or anybody in the world. Yes. And you have to figure out what feels good for you. Yeah, I can offer some suggestions and things. A lot of times I give my own experiences mm -hmm. um, to give them ideas, which a lot of therapists don't do that and they don't self-disclose. I'm a lot different than a lot of therapists out there in that way, I believe, because 
if it's something I think that can benefit them and how I've healed, then that might spark something within them Mm. for their own healing. Mm. I love that. I love that. And it's interesting that you say that, you know, you disclose and provide some insight because some people are uncomfortable going to therapy Mm -hmm. or they don't really know, especially, you know, I mean, a lot of us, we get comfortable to get like, we have checklists and say, okay, today I'm going to do this, this, and this. So when we go to therapy and you're not given that, and this is your opportunity to kind of create that path. Okay. Well, where do I start? How do I, how do I use this to my benefit? Yeah. 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 It's, they want this exact formula. Yes. Um, and, you know, and I tell them, you know, I've tried many different things and a lot of them never worked. Yes. And, you know, and I also, one of the things that I tell all of my clients, I may not be the right fit for them. I'm not the right fit for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that I believe they have the right to ask any therapist they go to, to ask the therapist, if he or she has ever been to therapy. Mm. And for me, if they say no, therapist says no, I would get up and leave Mm. because we all have our stuff. Yeah. And if I had not worked on and continue to work on my stuff, I promise you don't want me sitting in front of you. Mm. That is so honest. That is probably one of the most honest answers I've heard from a professional uh, professional perspective. And it's something that I, I, I will definitely take away and appreciate that because it's true. If you're not willing to be honest and handle and seek that assistance for yourself, then how are you willing to be honest and provide me with a with a perspective where that would benefit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Let's talk about not good enough stuff. Yes. <laughs> so how um, did that, how did it begin in the first place? And then yeah. we can go into it. Yeah. So I started noticing with my clients that they had so much of the similar things that I had dealt with for many years that no matter what, they're not good enough um, in all different aspects of life. Um, and that, so I began just, I don't even know the first time I even said it to a client that said, you know, that's just not good enough stuff. <laughs> but that's what that is. And, you know, um, a lot of my clients don't even know that I have my blog. And it's funny when I hear them saying, you know, well, that's my not good enough stuff coming up. Um, and so... I just, I first thought I'm going to write a book. And then I thought, no, there's too much in my mind Mm. for a book. Um, And there's too much that I can continually write Mm. to continually be able to help people. Um, And so I started thinking about where my not good enough stuff came from and, Mm. and looking at how similar that is for all the clients I see. Um, and how it sneaks up when we don't even realize. Um, and so, you know, there may be people listening that have an idea of what I mean about not good enough stuff. And there may be people that are like, I have no idea, but let me think of an example. So, um, say that, you know, somebody 
got a, a degree in finance and they saw this awesome opportunity um, to interview for a job. And they just thought, well, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm so new. I just have this degree. They won't even, you know, think about me, you know, I'll probably just stay in this other job, you know, and maybe I'll make enough money or be able to do this, blah, 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 blah. So it's all that not good enough stuff telling them no. Mm. Um, and you know, you can follow that all the way back to so many different things all the way back to childhood. Um, and, you know, and that kind of just sparked what you were asking. I remember I was looking, my baby is now 21, 21 months old um, and he's still a baby. I say he's a baby. Um, <laughs> They're always babies. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I remember just looking at him and thinking about how my words and my energy with him, mm. if it's not loving and I don't have myself in a really good place when I'm with him. How even him as a little bitty baby, that my energy could create not good enough stuff for him. Mm. Because I see so many of my clients and I know myself personally, a lot of my not good enough stuff did come from childhood. Mm. Not to say for any of you parents, I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not blaming any of you parents. Right. But we are not conscious of our own stuff that we put on children. Um, you know, for example, if you have, you know, a baby that, you know, cries a lot. And if, if we're saying all the time, gosh, you're such a fussy baby. You just cry all the time. You're just never happy. No matter what, nothing makes you happy that starts getting ingrained in that baby mm -hmm. who then becomes a perfectionist or decides that, you know, they have to chase this and this and this always trying to be happy, but they never will because that is not good enough stuff. A core belief that was mm. wrong mm. that was put on them that no matter what, they'll never be happy. Mm. I Love that. And you know, and it's and it's true when you say it's not about blame, right? Because I think that in parenting, there are milestones that we we go through, mm -hmm. right? And um, and like like therapy, there is no rule book for parenting, and every child and every parent, every situation is different. And it is is I guess to me, the way that we handle it is that in those moments when you, when you catch yourself, you know, that's, that's the, that's the best you can do is, mm -hmm. is to catch yourself and then take it from there. Mm -hmm. It's not about regretting or trying to regress or trying to apologize, right? It's about recognizing and being aware, aware in that moment mm -hmm. and moving forward with it. Right. Because a part of resilience is that, OK, let's how do I how do we come back from this? How do we overcome this? And I think it's so important when you talk about that not good enough stuff, how it's not it. It is usually not one one singular moment. Right. Mm -hmm. It's an evolution of many buildups and yeah. it creates those calluses sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then you, when you realize that you're just like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Yes. 
Yes. And, and when you're talking about, you know, parenting and, and when I was saying, you know, the not blaming, I always, when a lot of times what happens is when I work with adults who have children, um, even when the children are grown, they start looking at how the not good enough stuff affected them throughout their childhood mm -hmm. and have all this shame of, oh my gosh, I ruined my kids. I screwed my kids up. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I work with adults now who have adult children and I say, you can still teach them now mm -hmm. because you can have conversations with them about how you're healing. And, you know, I know so many people who it would have been so healing for them had their parents mm -hmm. at any age been able to come back and say, wow, here's where I'm healing. And mm -hmm. here's where I can see that this may have harmed you. And that was never my intent. Yeah. But you can always recover it from that. And if you have young children or teenagers, when you catch yourself, like you were just saying, that's the opportunity to communicate that to your children and how you're going to heal and recover from that. That right there teaches them mm -hmm. that they can and how to recover from all the things they'll go through throughout their entire lives. Yeah. It's I absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And when we talk about your list, you're not good enough. I mean, your, your areas that you specialize family dysfunction, relationship difficulties, codependency, anxiety, depression, anger, society, culture, healing lifestyles, and, and it just goes on and on and on. And I think that I really like the fact that you highlighted those because those are, I, I think, because those are what most people are struggling with now, especially when we talk about codependency that comes from, it comes in different angles, especially now we have, there's this new codependency on social media. There's this new codependency on, uh, you know, now that we have had this social distancing, you know, how that has affected our desires now to want certain things more than we've, we've, we've uh, needed before. So I really like the fact that you address that. Now, in these areas that you've mentioned, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've noticed and how are you helping individuals overcome, um, overcome those? Um. To me, the thing I see the most is codependency and difficulties with family dysfunction mm. and cultural, um, what's the word I should use? Cultural um, conditioning, I guess, mm. of who they are supposed to be, how they're supposed to behave. Um, because I think culture and family stuff are the two biggest influencers in those. Very true. And so I see so many people thinking they have to allow people to treat them a certain way or mm. without being able to stand up in a healthy way. Mm. Um, because I think culturally and family has taught us how we're supposed to be in those situations. Um, trying to think of an example um, for 
I work with a lot of African-American women mm-hmm. who are told so uh, through culture, family, all of that, um, that they aren't supposed to stand up and be seen. Mm. And so I think there are two different ways that I see a lot of my clients who are, um, especially African-American women, splitting in two different ways. Mm. One, flying under the radar, not being seen, and then so overly forcing themselves to be seen. Mm. And so I think that that I see that come. I, I live in Mississippi and I think a lot of the Southern culture is, no, you just um, do what you're supposed to do, you know, make sure everything's perfect and all that, you know, don't ever be seen out in public looking like you just rolled out of bed because <laughs> you're going to be judged, um, you know, or um, how you are, you know, not going to be able to rise to where you want to rise because um, that's just not an option for you and things like that. And to be able to clarify for people Mm. or help them clarify what they truly want removed from what they were told they were allowed to Mm. want. That's a big, that's a big responsibility. And it's, I mean, it is so powerful. I mean, because there's so many elements in there. There's so many uh, revealing Mm -hmm. that goes along with that. And I think that, um, you know, when you're talking about outside forces, especially when you're talking about different cultures where families are very influential Mm -hmm. and, you know, they still play a big role in that person's life. And here you are trying to have this parallel relationship where it's possible you can still have a relationship with your family, but you need to figure out and you need to find a way to create your own, your own steps Mm -hmm. and to follow those steps. That is, that is so, so powerful. And I love that you do that because I think that it's something that it's, It is not something that we are honest about speaking. Mm -hmm. And it is so important that we recognize that because, you know, um, I know, I know for a fact, I know lots of my friends or lots of people who don't want to go against family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're just like, hey, that's blood. Blood is thicker than water. And, you know, submit to the, uh, to the submission, I I should say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it creates these these bigger later on, not good enough, uh, situations. Oh my God. Like my mind is blow getting blown here. And I love that. Yes. And, you know, and I saw that in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be this, you know, Southern, um, I guess Southern bail, you know, very polite, whatever. Um, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to describe, but this um, hold my hold my tongue, don't mm. mind, blah 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 blah, um, and I broke through that, um, <laughs> and it did not go well, and it still often doesn't go well for my own family <laughs> because uh, 
I stood up and refused to be what I was supposed to be. And again, mm. I guess the word conditioned um, in, in pretty much every aspect of my life. Mm. I, again, broke out and went a very different way. And when you shake up that family dynamic, it rippling, is, rippling yes. effects. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I, I laugh, but at the same time, it's also been incredibly difficult. Oh, I'm sure. Because I have lost relationships due to it. And I think that is like you were saying, blood is thicker than water for family stuff. And that's one of the things that I also, again, in my own personal life and working with clients is had help them see that just because they are family doesn't mean you have to stay in a relationship with them if it's detrimental to your mental health, physical health, any of that. You know, and my father was an alcoholic. He died mm -hmm. of cirrhosis. And there were years where I had to not have him in my life mm. and being out in public and running into somebody asking me, well, how's your dad doing? And me saying, and having been through therapy, then being able to say, you know, my dad um, is an alcoholic. And because of that, um, I can't have him in my life. I hope he's doing well, but I don't know. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And the shame and the comments I got back, that's your father. You know, you need to, you know, be checking on your father and, you know, and all these kinds of things where it was this internal battle for me of fighting against what I'm supposed to do. And knowing, you know, my father passed several years ago that my father is so incredibly proud that I broke so many generational patterns mm. in our family and the struggles that that's meant for me that I will never regret. Mm. 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 You know, I'll tell you what, Mary, I, oh my goodness, this is such a powerful conversation. I almost feel that there's like, there needs to be a phase two to it, you know, <laughs> and because it is, it is a bigger topic there. It's a bigger topic and it is, there are not very many people that don't struggle with with the the pull mm -hmm. on family, right? And to decide, okay. And when I say family, I'm talking about even children. Mm -hmm. And as parents, sometimes that that decision that you know this is my child, and but the relationship is toxic, mm -hmm. and how you know. Do, how do I make that decision to say, I am just going to cut ties right now because I just don't have that, that energy to maintain the level that you need for me because I don't have that for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I, oh my gosh, like, please share my, I'm sorry. My brain is just like, <laughs> it's rolling here. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so much there. And yet this is how I, explain it to my clients and how I continually have to remind myself of this. When I do what's best for me, that's what's best for everybody else mm. because I can be more available for the people who I choose to be in my life. Mm -hmm. And also if I have to remove somebody in my life, I view that 
as a gift that I'm giving to them Mm. that they can choose to do something with or not Mm. because I'm making that boundary of not having them in my life. And it gives them an opportunity to look at what has caused that Mm. for them to be able to do their own healing Mm. as I do mine. And that maybe we can come back together if we both do that healing. Maybe I do my own healing and then can be with them regardless of if they've done any healing or not. And so it's a gift and an opportunity for them to be able to do something with it or not. Mm-hmm. But it's not my decision, but it is my opportunity to offer that to them mm. through my own actions. Mm. That takes a lot of honesty on both ends. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of um, self-reflection to be able to do that and for that person to recognize that action as what else, what am I doing that I need to either um, change or or go a different direction, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and unfortunately... Uh, from what I see, usually that is not, it's not usually well received on the other person who's being separated, who's being disconnected. And that the, 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 the length of healing on that other person is extended because they're spending so much time, folk, you know, harping on the separation mm-hmm. that they are just extending their healing process. Yeah. And the person who sets the boundary mm-hmm. has to be very, very firm and working on their not good enough stuff. Yes. To not question everything. Well, if only I had done this better, if I, if mm-hmm. I, yeah, to go back to that and to be able to understand that anything that comes towards them because of the chosen separation means nothing about them. Mm. You know, I have had to do that in my life um, more than, than I want that nobody ever wants that. Right. And I've had to really stand firm in knowing that it's come for, I'm doing it because of my own healing that needs to take place and it can't take place in that relationship. Um, because of the backlash, almost everybody receives when that boundary is set. Yes. And, you know, and I think it's really important. You, you highlighted something is that it's a decision that you're making for yourself. Mm-hmm. And once that decision is made, uh, you commit to that, that decision, but recognizing the benefit that it will have on, on everybody. And I think that if you continue moving forward, if we continue moving forward, thinking like this is for me and the people around me will benefit from it, then that is what people need to hold on to and recognize that it's, it's a good thing. And you're not, you're not, um, you're not failing anyone or you're not disappointing anyone, or you're not, um, you know, you know, doing, going against the grain. This is something that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and when you do that, 
it is still hard. Yes. Yes. And often when that boundary is set, people will, I guess, amp up their behaviors a lot (laughs) to suck you back in. Yes. To that dysfunction. Mm. You know, I don't know who said it, but dysfunction functions. It does. (laughs) It does. Well. Yes. (laughs) And when you remove a piece of that dysfunction, they're going to fight to make it keep functioning in some way. Yes. Because a piece is missing. Mm, mm, mm. I, I absolutely love that. And I think that it is. It is such a powerful topic, and I hope that people are able to appreciate this conversation because it's a conversation that it, it's it impacts everybody. Mm-hmm. It Im- impacts everyone, and I I really appreciate uh, us even being able to have this conversation because even after this, I'm going to go and call my mom and we're going to you know have a conversation about this because it's something that you know we we struggle and and the struggle comes in different phases in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily the same thing. Right. Uh, it can be different, uh, different situations that trigger different, different parts of your relationship. And sometimes you don't even necessarily see it until later on in your life. Or uh, so it's 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 one of those things that I think you just have to be mindful about it and constantly reevaluating. And whenever you get I call call it those red flags or the, your hair start to you know stand on your on the back of your neck like something is not right. That's when you need to just kind of look back and say, okay, what is what is it that I need to do different? Who do I need to change or what what do I need to change in my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so often we ignore those red flags like you're talking about. Yes. Um, a lot of times we recognize them and choose to ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of times they don't come as red flags because it's what we're used to. Mm, wow. But, you know, like you were saying, different times in our lives, we can become more aware of something 15 years ago. Yes. 20 years ago that was so unhealthy and now it's so clear. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes back in within a relationship, then it's bigger than it ever was because you are conscious of it. And so I think a lot of times the person who, you know, you may be removing um, from your life doesn't understand. And that's mm. why they amp up their behaviors because what is wrong with you? We've always been this and that is right. You know? <laughs> um, and I know for myself that it took me a long time to recognize how unhealthy mm. some people were and making me unhealthy. Yes. And to be able to think, wow, this has gone on my whole life and it has really affected me. Mm. No, I haven't just all of a sudden changed and, you know, and I'm this horrible, hateful person because I began healing and to see this has harmed me. Mm. And, and because this has harmed me, I'm choosing to do something different. Mm. I love, I love that, that, that conscious decision of making a decision mm-hmm. and uh, sticking to it. So you've mentioned a few times about healing and your healing process. 
what are what are things that you've done and what are some resources or some um, tools that you encourage your clients to do so they can start to begin that healing process? Yeah. Um, it's so hard to do tips and all of that. I think going back to at the beginning, like we were talking about finding your true identity. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the biggest step, I guess, is the word. Looking at who you are, mm-hmm. removed from the roles you have in life. I love that. Um, Because I could tell you my roles. I could tell you I'm a mother. I could tell you that I'm an aunt. Mm -hmm. I could tell you that I am a wife, that I'm a a boss. Mm -hmm. I'm a a therapist, all these different things. And that still tells you nothing about who I am. And so I tell people to think about how you would introduce yourself if you weren't able to use any of those roles. I, I'm writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'll give you an example for myself Mm -hmm. of how I would introduce myself without roles. So I would say that I am, um, introverted, loving to be able to be around small groups of people um, and having big, deep conversations. Mm. My soul belongs in the woods. If I could just take off and live in the woods, I would. I truly love being around children because children see our true souls. Yes. I can laugh at potty humor and probably will till I'm 99 years old because it just is funny to me. And I would be able to have a conversation, a one-on-one conversation with anybody I come across mm. because I love to be able to connect to their soul. Mm. And I am silly and goofy and quiet at times, loud sometimes around people that I know. (laughs) Um, And you never know what might come out of my mouth. I don't plan anything. (laughs) I float around and live in my own la-la land. And I love it here. (laughs) And it works for you. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So that's, you know, for people to be able to write those things out. Um, And in that, you can hear how I love those things about myself because I do. And it took me a long time to get there. But being able to think about things like that, that are unique to you, that show your true soul. Mm. That's a start, because if you can do that, you can look at how you labeled yourself previously to show you where your healing is. Yes. You mm. know, oh, I'm a procrastinator or I just, 
you know, all blah, 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 all these negative things that we yes. identify ourselves as. That's not my soul. That's nobody's soul. I, you know, it's really interesting that you say it's the negative, the negativity is what becomes our identity mm-hmm. and which is so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. It is a distraction from who we really are mm-hmm. and uh, being able to really connect, like you said, come back to yourself and, and to who you truly are and really identifying. I mean, I'm telling you, this is how, this is probably going to be a challenge if you don't mind that I put out there into the universe and have people start having that conversation without labels. Who are you outside of your labels? That's such an important question to ask people. And a hard question. It is. It is. I'm thinking about it. I I don't even want to embarrass myself and start because I, I have been labels for so many years and my labels is what some, in some cases determines my mood. My label is what in some cases determine what I do that day or what I choose not to do that day. And, uh, you know, so it's just something that I, I really have to take the time and appreciate and, and have that connection as to who am I without labels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. You weren't born as any of those labels. Nobody Absolutely. Knows. Yeah. Very true. Very true. So as we close, um, as we start to close up here, there's definitely a few questions that I want to um, uh, highlight and c- continue to pick your brain mm-hmm. is that what are some misconceptions about your career or journey that that are that are out there that you definitely want to uh, debunk or just kind of a just remove? <laughs> yeah. Um, when people say therapy is not for me, mm. um, it is for anybody. It's about wanting a better life. Mm. And I believe everybody always wants to pursue the best life possible. Absolutely. Um, And you don't have to have all these, you know, crazy problems or um, have this major issue or any of that. You can just want a better life. Mm -hmm. Um, Therapy can benefit anybody. Um, and so I think that's often a misconception is who should go to therapy. Everybody Mm. should, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, I've never met anybody who wouldn't benefit. Um, I also think another misconception or not misconception is people have gone to some therapists and just like any profession, there are some that, you know, aren't the best or aren't, you know, great or haven't done any work on themselves. And I always tell people, please keep trying. You will find one who connects to you. Very Um, true. And that's one of the things I help people do um, is try to find a good therapist for them if they're not in my area. Mm. Um, And, you know, I actually have a post I'm working on to guide people to how to find a good therapist. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. You know, I love the honesty in that is that, you know, um, just because you call and someone provides that service, that's probably that's maybe not someone that you need in that in your the journey in your life where you are right now. And it's important to recognize that. So I appreciate that. So I'm going to uh, with 
with closing out one of the questions, my last question, it's probably going to lead into another one. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> is what is the one thing you wish you knew before you began your journey or your career? And what advice would you give to people today? I think that would be, I want to avoid the cliche of loving yourself. Um, because that's hard to do. Mm. I would say learning to like the things you judge yourself for. Mm. Can you say, say that again, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Learning to like the things you judge yourself for. Mm. For example, um, I used to, I'm a redhead, and I used to have this huge temper and, you know, and everybody knew, watch out, you know, for her crazy redheaded temper. <laughs> and I used to be so ashamed of it until I looked at that part about me that it protected me in some situations. Oh, wow. And it also is an outlet for my passion for things mm. I'm passionate about to where it was deemed as a negative and I hated it about me. And I was so ashamed of it until I learned to see that has allowed me to be passionate for things I believe in. Mm. I love that. Love that. I tell you what, Mary, um, it is always amazing to connect to people who are able to really create a connection. And I, I've enjoyed every second of this conversation. And, you know, I really hope that um, you definitely um, accept my invitation again, because I feel like this is just the, we haven't even like touched, like this is just the, the tip of the iceberg <laughs> and being able to dive deeper into conversations. And I know that my audience is going to connect to this conversation because it's so, so honest. So thank you so much for your time and your words of wisdom and your inspiration that you brought to the show today. Yes, absolutely. You are welcome. And I have enjoyed it. And I, and um, it's such an honor to have been invited. And thank you. Um, it's amazing to see your connection to this and, and the flow and energy you have is so beautiful and, and makes it easy for me to be able to, you know, discuss these things. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Again, thank you so much, Mary. And it was a pleasure having you on the show. Yes. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and listening to On The Bounce. If you would like to read more on the topics discussed in today's episode, I have included the links to the research I have referenced in the episode description. Please feel free to share your thoughts and leave a comment. And as always, see you next time. Thank you.